If you have a Bible, go please to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning at verse 1 tonight. Praise God. 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elisha went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. And Elijah said to him, Elijah, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two men went on together. Father, I pray this evening that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint this congregation's hearing that as they receive the word tonight, it might speak to the issues of their heart. We ask this in Jesus' name and for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I want to share with you from the life of these two men Elijah and Elisha, the mighty men of God, if you have studied your Bible, you're a student of the scriptures, you know that they are highlights in the uh, text of the scripture. Uh, but there is a, uh, a message for us tonight and a message for uh, any believer in general as we study these two men in this uh, particular passage of scripture. A message about the fact that God has more for us than uh, we have received so far. Somebody say amen. amen. Uh, hay un mensaje aquí esta tarde para cada cristiano y para cada creyente que quiere avanzar en su vida espiritual y que siente que no ha recibido todo de lo que Dios tiene para su vida. Y esto nos enseña que hay más de parte de Dios para nosotros. Uh, there is more that God has for you than what you have received so far. And so long as you can believe that and walk in that, there is going to be a, a hunger and a desire to go forward and to go onward to the things that God has in store for your life. And so I want you tonight to become convinced of this fact that where you are right now is not where you're staying and that what you have right now is not all that God has for you, that God has more for you than you can possibly imagine. Say amen, somebody. Now, I want you to turn around and tell your neighbor, you can bet this ain't it. All right, do you believe that? All right, tell him again, you can bet this ain't it. 
Now, the, the story of Elijah is one of God's remarkable power. He was uh, known as the prophet of fire. La historia del de profeta Elías es una de la historia del poder de Dios en la vida de un hombre. And his life was uh, remarkable because in the Bible there are three miracle windows, three miracle seasons when it seemed like God overdid himself in terms of miracle power. And the first one was in the book of Exodus. The second one is the life of Elijah. The third one is the life of Jesus and um, the ministry of the church. And so Elijah sticks out as one of these men who God greatly used in his day uh, in order to bring about a transformation of the life and the, the, uh, the condition of the country that he lived in. But when we find him in this text, he is in a transitional moment. He is transitioning out of the, uh, the limelight. He's going to be called to heaven within a, a few moments, within a few days. And there is beside him a man that God had called him to anoint as his successor, who was Elisha. And Elisha, for our purpose today, represents us. It represents that man or that woman who is walking in the path that God has chosen and is desiring to see God do all that God has, uh, has designed and purposed for their life. In the final days of Elijah's life, he goes to four places. And I'm going to try to talk about those four places tonight. If I don't get to all of them, I'll get to them next Sunday. But I want to just begin to share with you these four places that Elisha has to go in order to get all that God has for him. And there are four places that every one of us has to go in our spiritual walk if we want to be able to obtain all that God has for us. Are you willing to go? And so if you're willing to go, then, uh, then you and I can walk with Elijah and Elisha and see that these four places, although they speak of a geographical location in the land of Israel, they actually speak about moments of de uh, development in the life of the believer. And so the first thing I want you to notice, first of all, is that this is a transitional moment for, the, for these two men. One is on his way out. The other is on his way in. And God is shifting things around for the nation of Israel. He's shifting things around in the lives of these two men. And when God begins to do this, things start changing. There, there began to be uh, breakings uh, of certain uh, patterns that had existed in their lives. And there, there comes a moment where there is a breaking away of, uh, of old patterns to adopt the new things that God has for their life. The first place that Elijah takes Elisha is to the place called Gilgal. Now, if you go in your Bible and you study about Gilgal, you're going to discover that Gilgal was the place where when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, they went to Gilgal, and it was the place right before they, after 40 years of wandering, was the place they stopped right before possessing the promised land. It was a place that God had designated for preparation. Say preparation. El profeta Elías lleva a Eliseo al lugar, lugar llamado Gilgal. Es un lugar el cual el pueblo de Israel había, se había detenido antes de entrar a la tierra prometida. 
And in fact, the word Gilgal literally means to roll away. Uh, el lugar se llama Gilgal, que significa el, uh, el dar vuelta a algunas cosas. And what I want you to understand tonight is that Gilgal, for the nation of Israel, for Elisha, and for us, is a place of change. El Gilgal es un lugar de cambio. Es un lugar donde da vuelta las cosas. It's a place where things are are, are, are turned around. It's a place where the nation of Israel was circumcised. After 40 years, the men of Israel were circumcised. And so it was a place of consecration and of commitment to God. Gilgal era un lugar de consagración porque ahí fue donde el pueblo de Israel había sido circuncidado después de 40 años. Ese pueblo entró a el pacto con Dios, este pacto de consagración. Here's what I want you to understand, church. That every person who wants to do something great for God must first go through Gilgal. Cada persona que quiere lograr hacer algo grande para Dios, primero tiene que pasar por Gilgal. Tiene que pasar por ese lugar de consagración. Ese lugar donde Dios corta y quita cosas de nuestra vida que no Pueden entrar a nuestra promesa. Gilgal is the place where God cuts away things from our life that cannot enter into our promise. Now, you already told me you were willing to go there, so just say amen. All right? That is the first stop on the journey. In fact, that is the first stop of every new season that God is going to bring into your life. Cada vez que Dios te va a traer a una época nueva en tu vida, vas a tener que pararte en un lugar como Gilgal. Gilgal it's a place where God's going to say to you, look, these things worked in the last season, but they're not going to work in this new season. And many times people get frustrated at Gilgal. Es Gilgal donde a veces las personas se ponen frustradas porque quieren hacer lo que Dios hizo en el lugar anterior en este lugar. They want to do old things in a new place. And God says, no, I may have used that in your life yesterday, but you're moving up and you're moving on. You're going to have to get rid of the pacifier and the diapers and the pull-ups, and we're going to go on to a new season, a new place where I can do something bigger in your life. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody willing to go through Gilgal? Listen now, every new season in your life has a Gilgal. Cada época nueva de tu vida tiene un Gilgal. And unless you're willing to go through Gilgal, you can't mature. A menos que usted esté dispuesto a pasar por Gilgal, usted no puede madurar. So I want to ask you tonight, what is God cutting out of your life? And are you letting him? ¿Qué es lo que Dios está cortando de tu vida y lo estás haciendo que lo haga? Or are you fighting with God tonight? ¿Estás batallando con Dios diciendo no, 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 no? No, no, God, I've got to have that. I can't lose that. I've got to have those people. I've got to have that money. I've got to have that house. I've got to have those relationships. I've got to have that comfort zone. And God says, look, if you want to go where I'm taking you, you've got to let me cut some things out because so long as you are depending on what used to work, you cannot receive what God wants to do in this new season of your life. 
You know, while I was praying this afternoon, I was trying, uh, I was praying, just trying to ask the Lord some questions that I have been, that have been in my mind uh, over the last couple of weeks. You know, when a storm like Harvey comes to a region and, uh, and if you're discerning, you want to ask God, what are we supposed to learn about this? What is the reason for this? What is the, what is the pattern that we're supposed to notice? God, is there a message in this? And often God speaks to the city. I'll talk to you about that the last time a little storm came through town a few months ago that God calls out to people he calls out to a nation to a region through these events and I was praying and I've been praying through the last couple of weeks Lord what is going on here what is all of this about what is all of this that that what are we supposed to learn what are we supposed to see in all of these things and as I was praying tonight, I believe the Lord gave me at least part of the answer. And he spoke to me particularly about our church. And he said, you are in a birthing season. El Señor, mientras yo oraba esta tarde diciendo, Señor, ¿por qué están pasando todas estas cosas? El huracán, las tormentas que están pasando por la vida de varias personas de la congregación. Lord, why are things going uh, so difficult for some of the members of the congregation? Why is this a season of difficulty and this is what he said you are in a birthing season now I want you to turn on your spiritual ears and receive that tonight yo quiero que usted abra su oído espiritual y reciba esto esta noche because this is the reason why many of you have been going through hell itself in the last few months say amen somebody all right, there's no time to be spiritual on me. This one, I want you to be honest. All right, and this is why some of you have been fighting for every inch of ground. Anybody in here been fighting for every inch? I mean, you feel like everything is, has just been piling up on your life. It's been a season of blessing right alongside a season of difficulty. There's some good things going and there's some hard things going. Anybody say amen? Well, guess what? God wants you to understand that you are in a birthing season and no one, no couple that is about to give birth to a new baby ought to expect that things are going to be easy. Say amen, somebody. All right. When there is a birth coming, there are pains that go with it. Cuando hay un nacimiento que viene, hay dolor que viene con ellos. Anybody been going through some pain? Well, God has sent me tonight to tell you that you are in a birthing season. And birthing seasons bring some pain, but they also demand some preparation. Los momentos cuando vas a dar a luz requieren algún poco de dolor. In fact, they require a lot of pain sometimes. A veces son mucho el dolor. And so listen now, what we see in the natural often reflects what we are seeing in the spiritual. Muchas veces lo que vemos en lo natural es lo que vemos en lo, es lo que está pasando en lo espiritual. And God says, when I want to do something new, sometimes I've got to get rid of old things and old ideas because what I want to birth in my church cannot be cradled in yesterday's cradle. It's got to have a new place. It's got to have a place that I have designated for this season, for this time come on somebody I don't know what you're about to birth but make room for baby because God is up to something good in your life and although for now there are birth pains the day is coming when you're going to be able to rejoice 
and what God has done. But you know, when a couple receives the word that they're going to have a baby, they have to go into that spare bedroom and take out that queen-size bed and put in a crib. They've got to make some changes. Sometimes they even paint the walls a new color. Sometimes they, uh, they uh, take out the clothes that are in that closet and make room for the baby's clothes. They take out the dresser and bring in the baby's clothes. Why? Because there is going to be something new going on here. Here's what I want you to understand. While you're at Gilgal, get ready for what God is bringing into the next season of your life. And let that moment of preparation when God is cutting things out of your life and saying, look, this was good for last season, but it's no good for this season. Because what I want to bring into your life is greater and it's going to magnify and glorify me in a new way. And so he says you've got to be willing to go through the process of the cutting and the rolling away of things. So that God can bring into place and into position that which he wants to do in your life. Can he do that in your life? So he goes to Gilgal. Now, when they're at Gilgal, Elijah says to Elisha, stay here, please. Now, this is the master. This is the prophet. He says to the protege, stay here. I've got to go on. I've got a new level to go to. I've got another city to travel to. You stay here. And Elisha says, no way, Jose. That's the Isaac Del Santos translation. He says, as God lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I'm going to stick to you. What is he saying? He's saying, you know what? I want to go further than I have gone so far. You see, some people, they get satisfied at Gilgal, but Elijah, Elisha knew there is more to this than I have seen, and I want all that God has for my life. And so he's saying, I can't stay here. I can't stay at this level. I can't stay in this place. There's some of you tonight who have made up your mind. This has been nice. It's been cool for a season, but I can't stay here. I've got to move on. I've got to go deeper. I've got to go higher. God has more for me. Come on, somebody. God has a greater work. God has a deeper message, a deeper insight. He's got revelation for my life. I can't stay here. I've got to go forward. So he clings to, to his master. I want to challenge you to cling to God, to cling to God's work and to say, you know what? I am not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you out of my sight. God, I want all that you have for me. I want all that you want to do in my life. So they go on to Bethel. This is the second place that they go. Now, Bethel is a place, if, if, if Gilgal is a place of preparation, Bethel is a place of presence. It was at Bethel where Jacob had learned to meet with God for himself. It was at Bethel where Jacob, the patriarch, had come to terms with the fact that it's not enough to have a God who is grandpa's God and grandmother's God and, and dad's God, but you've got to have a, the God of your own life. He's got to be personal to you. Fue en, en Betel, ahora donde el profeta Elías lleva a Eliseo a Betel, porque en Betel es donde ahora él va a aprender de la presencia de Dios. Y ahí en Jericó, o oh, perdón, en Betel es cuando Jacob entendió 
que Dios se podía conocer personalmente. Let me, let me tell you, church, there is no, nothing more valuable in your life than the presence of God. No hay nada más valorioso en su vida que la presencia de Dios. There are going to be moments in your life when the only thing you have is God's presence. And if I tell you, if that's all you've got, then that's all you need. Because when God is present, you've got everything you need. Say amen, somebody. Elijah was teaching Elisha, you've got to come to the place of presence. To the place where you can meet with God Face to face. Tienes que venir a un lugar de la presencia de Dios. You know, there is a moment in your spiritual life when you have to decide, you know what, if no one else will pray, I will pray. If I'm the only person in this house that's going to study the word, then I'm going to study the word. You know, we like, to, we like to depend on other people for our spiritual nutrition. We like to depend on other people for getting the things that we need. But friend, you've got to mature. You've got to grow and say, you know what? I can't depend on anybody else to feed me. I've got to feed myself. There is a season in your life for spoon feeding, but that season is over now. And you've got to decide, I've got to go deeper. I've got to go on to this new thing that God has for me. And here's what I want you to understand, that even if you have been walking in a mature spiritual life for a long time, there are still depths of, of relationship with God that you can enter into. There is still more with God that you can know. And so you've got to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to dig for myself. I'm going to get in there for myself. I've got to know what God's word says about my life and about this season that I am in. Bethel reminds us that God is a God who shows up in our life at the most unusual places, at the most unusual moments, if we are willing and receptive to invite him in. And so the Bible tells us a couple of times when God told Israel, I mentioned on Wednesday, I'm not going to go with you. One time was in the book of Exodus where the people had sinned against the Lord so grievously that the Lord called Moses into a meeting. Now you know you're in trouble when God calls you into a meeting. And God called Moses into a meeting and he said, Moses... Here's the deal. He said, I am going to give the people the promised land because I am a God who keeps his promises, but I will not go with them into the promised land. They're going to have the houses. They're going to have the wells. They're going to have the vineyards, but I'm not coming with. And Moses had an opportunity right there to say, okay, God, we'll take the deal. But you know what he said? He said, no, Lord, if you don't go with us, We won't go. We have to have your presence. What was he saying? He was saying, Lord, we would rather camp out in the wilderness for the rest of our life and be in your presence than to be in a new house and have a new car and not have your presence. Come on, somebody. God is looking for some people that say, Lord, your presence is worth more to me than life itself. I don't care if I lose everything else. Just don't let me lose your presence. I've got to be at Bethel. I've got to be in that place of communion, and rich interaction with God. Now Elijah says to Elisha, all right now, stay here. Stay here because I've got to go on. And Elisha says, no way, Jose. I can't stay here. Tell your neighbor, I can't stay here. You know, he decided, if I stay here, I'm going to miss out. 
on what God has for me. I don't know what would have happened to Elisha if he had just stopped and said, you know what, I, I, Elijah's going to leave the scene soon. I might as well just, just look for a new, a new job, a new place to work, a new uh, place to learn. No, he said, you know what, if God has something for me, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to hold on. I've got to climb a little higher. You've got to decide I can't stay here. There is more to this than, than I have seen. God has this for me and I can't quit yet. I can't give up yet. It may be hard. It may be difficult at times. It may challenge my very faith. But I've got to keep moving. I've got to keep going on and onward and upward. And I just want to share for a moment with our young people that this is one of the greatest risks that you face. You know, there are some people in this room, some adults who, who had a on-fire, powerful ministry for God when they were young people, but then they left it behind. And, and now they wish they hadn't given it up. Now they wish they hadn't quit. And so you've got to make up your mind. I can't lose this. I can't give this up. This isn't just a hobby. This isn't just something I'm doing for a season of my life. God has anointed me. God has positioned me. God has called me. I'm in it to win it. I've got to have all that God has for my life. Say amen, somebody. And Elisha had that determination. He said, I've gone further. I'm going deeper. So they went onward, the Bible says, to Jericho. Now Jericho was a very important place in the life of the nation of Israel because it was the place where they saw the power of God in their obedience. Listen, church, you've got to go to the place of preparation and you've got to go to the place of presence. But you also got to go to that place where you start walking in the power of God. Where you start walking in that place where you are able to manifest the work and power of God in your life. You know, I'm not satisfied with just hearing other people talk about how God worked in their life. I want to talk about how God worked in my life. I want to talk about what God did in my ministry. Come on, somebody. I want to talk about what God did in our church. I don't want to talk about, well, you know, over there in that church, they did this. And over there in that church, they did that. No, I want to talk about what God is doing through us right here because we, are learn we have learned to manifest his power in our life. Say amen, church. You know, Jericho was a fortified city. Now, I told you this morning that many times fortresses had walls that were four to five feet wide. I don't know how, how wide the walls of Jericho were, but it was a strong and shut-up type city. And God gave the nation of Israel a simple and yet very specific instruction. He said, you're going to go, and Jericho was going to be the first city that they would conquer upon entering the promised land. And he said to them, you're going to walk around the city silently. All the warriors of Israel are going to walk around the city silently. For one day, and then the next day you do it again, and then you do it again the third day, you're going to do this three, you're going to do this for six days, and on the seventh day, you're going to walk around the city seven times. They said, Lord, this sounds like a great, 
you know, public demonstration of faith, but it doesn't have anything to do with war, and it certainly doesn't have anything to do with bringing down the walls of this fortified city. But they were about to learn that the power of God follows obedience. You know where the anointing rests, friend? It, uh, it rests upon people who obey God. It rests upon people who say, yes, sir, when God speaks. It rests upon people who say, God, whatever you command, that's going to be our, that's what we're going to do. And so they began to walk around that city. You know the story. And they went six days around that city, didn't say a word. Now, I don't exactly know why God told him to be quiet. I have some suggestions about it. But I think one of the reasons he did it was he just didn't want to, have, want to know their opinion at that moment. He just didn't want to hear what they had to say. Because you know that an opinion is not satisfied until it's expressed. Have you, ever, have you ever experienced that? If you're upset about something, you're not satisfied until you have expressed it. And then once it's expressed, it's like, ah, okay. So God says, I don't want to know what you think right now I just want you to obey me oh I think God might be speaking to somebody tonight who God says I don't care what you think right now just obey me just do what I said I don't want to hear about this is a bad strategy Joshua has lost his mind the Lord has lost uh, his way I don't want to hear about what you think I just want you to obey me you know oftentimes we want to understand before we obey but God doesn't work that way God says obey and then I will give you the understanding and when they had done the thing that God commanded them to do to just go around quietly and to wait on him he said, now on the last time you go around, I want you to shout the shout of a king. I want you to release a war cry, a shout of praise to God. And when they did that, the walls of that fortified city came down flat to the ground. And they, they possessed the first city in Israel was possessed through a quiet army of obedient people. There is a day for talking, but there is also a day for being quiet and just doing what God has said. And Jericho was a place where they saw God's power through their obedience. Now here's the other thing that we see at Jericho. God said, when you see the walls of that city come down, do not touch any of the gold or the silver or the nice clothing that's going to be in that place. It belongs to me. Listen now. God told Israel, you're going to have the spoils of all the cities. You're going to sack the city and take the gold, the silver, the precious stones, everything that's in there. It's going to belong to you. But do not touch any of the things that are in Jericho. Why? Because God was saying, Jericho is my tithe. Listen. He was saying, when you leave Jericho alone, you're saying, God, that city is the tithe. It's the first fruits. You know the tithe belongs to the Lord, right? So by, by not touching Jericho, they were saying, Lord, if you were able to give us one city, you're able to give us all the cities. 
That's what the tithe is, friend. When you give to God the tithe, you are telling God, God, if you were able to give me the first 10, you were able to give me the other 90, you're able to bless the other 90 to do more than it would have done without your blessing. Come on, somebody. So Jericho was not only a, a, a step of obedience by being quiet, but it's also a step of obedience by putting God first. Now, you remember that at Jericho, uh, one of the men in Jericho, he saw some gold and some silver, and he saw some nice clothes in there, and he said, you know what, I can't leave this, uh, this coach purse behind. My wife might like this one. So he took some of that stuff home, and it led to defeat in the next battle because they did not honor what belonged to God. What was God teaching Elisha? He was saying, Elisha, if you want all that I've got for you, you have to obey me. And when you obey me, my power will follow your obedience. You don't have to understand. Just obey. You don't have to get it. Just obey. Trust and obey. The, the hymn says there is no other way to be happy in Jesus. Simply trust and obey. Now Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. Stay in Jericho, this place of God's power. I've got to go on. And Elisha said, no way, Jose. What did he say? I can't stay here. This is good. I love it here. I like this season, but I can't stay here. God has more for me. God has greater things for me. Is there anybody in here tonight who's made up your mind? I've got to keep growing. I've got to keep developing. I've got to continue on to what God has planned and purpose for my life. He says, I'm going on to Jordan. Now, Jordan was a place of possession. It was a place where God's people would ultimately possess all that God had promised them. They were going to now not only be talking about the promises of God, but they were going to be walking in the promises of God. You don't, you don't understand, church, that this moment when Israel entered the promised land was a long-awaited moment. 400 years had passed. That they were awaiting the moment of promise. They were awaiting the moment of possession. And when they had their opportunity, because of unbelief, they lost that opportunity. And so they wandered in the wilderness 40 years. Until the Lord prompted Joshua to cross the Jordan River. And this is what the Lord said to Joshua. He said, I want you to cross this Jordan. The book of Joshua gives us a very specific word there. Cross this Jordan. Say this Jordan. You know why they use that word this Jordan? Because at the season that God chose for Israel to possess the promised land, Jordan was flooded. Jordan was a little, uh, a little river, but once a year in the rainy season, it would flood. It would overflow its banks. And scholars tell us that at the time that Joshua came to the Jordan, 
that the Lord said cross this Jordan, the flooded Jordan, that the Jordan in some places was as much as a, a mile wide. That's a devastating flood, isn't it? What is God saying to Joshua? He was saying, Joshua, you don't have to wait for everything to line up and to look perfect for you to possess the promises of God. You see, most people would say, Lord, let me wait until the waters have receded. Let me wait until the Jordan is no longer flooded. Let me wait until it's a little creek that I can cross without any problems. But God says, no, I want you to possess the land at the most unlikely time. Why? Why does God wait until the most unlikely moment to give you possession of the promise. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why, God, do you wait until everything is stacked against me to give me the answer? Come on, you guys are being too spiritual tonight. No, Pastor, I never thought that way at all. Why does God wait until Abraham is a hundred years old to give him a baby? Why does he wait until the Jordan is flooded to tell them, cross the Jordan? Does God have a bad sense of timing? No. You know why? Because God likes to show off. And God, God generally gives you possession when you can't possess it yourself. So that when Israel has crossed into the promised land, they can't say, look what we have done. They have to say, look what the Lord has done. This was God's doing. This was God's work. This was God's miracle. Come on, somebody. Don't get discouraged by the wind and the rain and the flood. Thank God that he is able to give you possession of the land at the most unlikely moment. When everything seems least likely, least appropriate at the least comfortable moment, he says, cross this Jordan. And you know the scripture says that when they, uh, the priests of Israel came to the banks of the Jordan and their feet touched the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan were held back. And the nation of Israel walked into the promised land on dry ground. Now Elijah and Elisha have come to that same Jordan. And Elisha has been saying, I will not let you go. As God lives, I will not let you go. And they've come to that Jordan. And Elijah takes his mantle and he touches the waters of the Jordan. And the two men cross that river on dry ground just because. And while they're on the other side of Jordan, the scripture says that a chariot of fire comes out of heaven. <laughs> and takes Elijah. Out of the presence of Elisha. 
Just before Elisha was taken away, he said to Elijah, ask me for whatever you want. What do you want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want a double portion. Really what he was asking for. Listen now. A, a double portion was the portion that belonged to the firstborn son. Now you see when they had gone to Gilgal and they'd gone to Bethel and they'd gone to Jericho. All of those places had schools of the prophets where Elijah had students. And Elisha says to Elijah, I want the firstborn status. I want the double portion of the Spirit of God that's on your life. And Elijah, he said in the English, it says, you have asked for a hard thing. But really the word means you have asked for the essential thing. When he asked that of him, he was saying, you are staking a great claim, boy. You got it. If you will watch me leave, if you will watch me go, then you will have that thing which you have asked for. And the scripture says that when that whirlwind of fire came and swept Elijah away, that he, Elisha kept his eyes on his master until he saw that mantle fall to the ground and fell upon him. And now he was on his own, but he had possessed the promise. He had possessed that thing. Oh, what if he had stayed over at Gilgal? What if he had stayed at Bethel? What if he had stayed at Jericho? He would have missed the opportunity to possess what God had for him. That's why I'm telling you tonight, I can't stay here. I've got to go on. I've got to go on. God has more for me than I have dreamed of. He's got more for you, Kingsway, than you have dreamed of. You can't quit here. You can't give up. You can't put the car in park and say, this is as far. This is all there is for me. God wants to do greater works. took that mantle and now he had to cross that Jordan and he asked this question and he said where is the Lord God of Elijah he was saying God are you with me like you were with him and he took that mantle and he touched that water and just like the water parted for Elijah, the water parted for Elisha. And he walked across that river on dry ground and he possessed all that God had. Come on somebody, God is talking about you tonight. Is there anybody in here that says, Lord, I won't let you go. I can't let you go. I can't quit. I've got to go. I've got to have all that you have for me. I want all that you have promised me. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He is right within me by the power of his spirit. His anointing rests upon my life. I have what he says I can have. I can do what he says that I can do. In his name, we will do exploits. Somebody give God praise because he is a keeper of his word. I can't stay here. 
you've got to have all that God promised me. By the time Elisha died, he had performed twice as many miracles as Elijah. God had honored that man who said, I won't stay here. I've got to go on. Is there anybody in here tonight that says, that's me? I want it all. If that's you tonight, would you just come into this altar? Make room for God to work in your life tonight. Just make up your mind. I can't stay here. God has me in a birthing season. And I can't, I can't leave this thing aborted. I've got to give birth to what God has promised me. I've got to give birth to what God has promised me. I can see it in my spirit. I can hear it in my soul.